Welcome, everybody. Happy Friday. Welcome, welcome. We are live, and we have a lot planned for today. I hope you are having a great Friday. My name is Luke. I will be your host for today's podcast. We're going to be talking today about a lot of things, as you can see, or maybe not. Behind me uh, is the leaves of autumn. So that will be a common theme for today, which we're going to be exploring. Of course, this will also be a Q&A. So if you have questions, feel free to ask them, whether it's idioms, phrases, culture, grammar, pronunciation, word differences, or whatever. Okay, so, so ask away. Uh, well, that's what we're here for. As I said, I'll also be talking about some common useful words related to autumn or fall, depending on what kind of person you are. And I also want to talk about a very interesting, in my opinion, okay, everything's my opinion, that's my opinion, uh, pronunciation debate around the word G-I-F and how that is said correctly. I want to provide a bit of context a bit of history there, and then give you my opinion. So stay tuned for that. My opinion on the correct way to say that word. Mahmoud asks if I, I checked out Bob the Canadian's classes. We did that on Wednesday on the stream. So yes, you were there for that, I believe. Unless you forgot, and maybe, unless you are a very convincing bot. Is that possible? We shall see. Today shall decide whether or not Mahmoud is a bot. Hey, Alejandro is here and Potter. Hello. Welcome. J uh, Jacked. Hello. Good to see you. Good to have everybody here, of course. We'll also probably be looking at a couple of questions from Reddit. I enjoy doing that and uh, we might look at a video or two as well depending on how much time we have today if you haven't already done so don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe that really helps out the channel a simple like very easy to do but it basically helps out the channel to recommend it to other people and helps it grow. So that would be most appreciated. Also, you can check out my courses in the links in the description and the first one of those is free. So click on the link in the description to get a free course from yours truly. And if you don't know what yours truly means, it means me, the person who's speaking, okay? Okay, okay, Kathy, we good? <clears throat> Any audio issues? Can you get me, yeah, some just a little scratchy, something to drink, that would be great. Yeah, and find out if Mahmoud is a bot, yeah. Okay, thank you. Okay, um, hello, Sardor, good to have you here as well. Mahmoud, I mean, after you finish the stream, why would I do something after I finish the stream when I already did it during the stream would be my question. 
Alejandro, does that mean to say that you are particularly confused about the word the word article and how it's pronounced? Is that uh, is that what you're asking? I want to just make sure I'm clear on that. I want to make sure I'm clear on it before I um, before I answer the question. Before I try to answer the question. It's, I still don't understand. Alejandro, you got to be clear. What is your question? Do you want to know how to say the word it's or the word article? You have to be very clear with your question and, and, and help me out there because you're not asking very clearly, unfortunately. I want to help, but I don't know if you're asking me how to say this word or this word. Here's how I would ask that question. Can you please tell me how to pronounce the word quotation marks article quotation that that would be how to ask that question clearly so there's no misunderstandings okay okay so Alejandro wants to know how to correctly say article and maybe it's a challenge, Alejandro, for you because of the different mouth shapes that you need to make in such a small word, right? So you have to make the R correctly at the beginning so it can break it into pieces. R, R, R. Now, people will say it a little differently depending. The next sound might be pronounced as a clear T sound or could be pronounced with a light D sound. So it might be there instead of T, that's okay, it's correct, T, it might be D, D, D. So you hear the difference? Art and art, art and art. And either one is correct. If I were to guess, I would say that probably Arte is more common than arte. Just my guess, my sense, my intuition there. Okay, then the last part is the cull sound. Now, the common issue that happens with this sort of thing, words like S-T-A-B-L-E-M-A-P-L-E, -E, these B-L-E-P-L-E-C-L-E -E -E endings often result in a sort of O sound between the two consonants. For example, P-L-E, instead of being pronounced pull, is often pronounced pull by, by English learners, right? And B-L-E, instead of being pronounced bull, is pronounced bull. You hear the difference? When I say pull, bull, my mouth is very flat, and I'm really trying to get from the consonant one to the next as quickly as possible. The shortest distance between two points is a straight line, as they say, right? So, pull, bull, coal is the same thing. So, we want to avoid pull, bowl, and coal, and instead try to say pull, bull, coal. So, getting back to it, we have R, T, coal, or R, D, coal, D. Cool. Now, it's not a very hard, strong I sound there. It's almost a schwa sound. 
I pronounce it with the light D sound. Plenty of people do it with the T sound. I will leave that up to you. I will say now the whole thing both ways at regular speed. Are you ready, kids? Like this. Article. 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 So that's how to say that word. Now that's a lot just for one word, right? Well, this is what you get into when you start trying to master pronunciation. This is why my pronunciation course, my longest one is seven and a half hours long because it's all about breaking down the sounds and then putting it all back together so that it's neat and so that it sounds, most importantly of all, that it sounds natural. Good question. Alejandro, thank you for asking. Thank you for asking. I appreciate that. What's the difference between article and PDF? Well, you know, an article is um, about the content and about the structure, and the PDF is just the file format. That's the difference, really. It's not really an English question. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, keep practicing, but hopefully now the breakdown has given you a better way to do it. Sardor, let me check your question here. Thank you for asking. I'll try not to miss any questions. Now, if you do see me just skip right by a question, sometimes it's just because it's they're not really an English question. For example, what's the difference between a PDF and an article? That's, that's, that's not, I don't know that that's really an English question, right? So, okay, yep, Sardor's question. Okay, Sardor says, Sardor or Sardor, I'm not sure, says, good evening, teacher. It is morning for me, but whatever. Can you break down how to pronounce literally and how we can use it in a sentence? All right, the second part of this question is more interesting than the first part. So I think I'm going to spend a little more time talking about the second part than the first part, if that's okay with you, Sardor. Sardor, 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 Sardor. So the pronunciation is literally li-ter-a-li. Li-ter-a-li. Four-syllable word. All right. Now, a lot of people will say this with the light D sound instead of the T sound. You often see this as a pattern if the T is in the middle of a word and followed by a vowel sound or an er sound, not always, but in many cases, that T sound is going to become a R light D sound. And as a light D sound, it helps the word flow a little bit better. We don't have to stop the voice. It sounds a little bit more natural. And notice I said a little bit more natural, not a little bit more natural. It sounds a little stiff sometimes when we overemphasize the T. So often we change it to a D, but be careful. You can't always do it. It has to be surrounded by the right things in order for it to work. Okay. So the alternate pronunciation of this would be literally. It's a very light D sound. Literally. Literally. Notice. 
that I am not stopping my voice. Whereas when I say lit, er, lit, that is a stopped voice. Literally. Okay, so that sounds smoother and more natural. One more time, slowly. Literally. And faster, literally. So, what about the usage? And I think this is the more interesting part. This word has, has taken on a very interesting characteristic in, I would say, recent years. Always, this word has meant that what I say is exactly what I mean with no exaggeration and not meant metaphorically or hypothetically, right? Okay, so for example, if 20 years ago, maybe 30, you asked someone, uh, is this, how's the cake? And they said, this is literally the best cake I've ever had. What they mean is there's no exaggeration there. I'm not using any... Uh, exaggerated speech, right? I'm not, um, I'm not, I'm not expressing myself uh, just to be nice. It is actually that, right? That's literally what I meant. That is literally what I meant. Okay, so in case you misunderstood me, I'm telling you there's no confusion here. There should be no confusion, right? What I'm saying is exactly what I mean. Okay. Okay. But then something happened, and uh, uh, a girl was born in Southern California, known as a valley girl, perhaps in the 80s. And this spread outward like a virus around the world, and now is no longer necessarily called a valley girl English, but it is maybe just becoming normal English, I suppose. And... There are a lot of pieces here and language usage and different types of pronunciation. But one thing that's part of that modern valley girl speech that has become very common in the English language in general is the usage of the word literally. And if I were to say it in a California way, I would say literally, literally, and literally, literally the best cake I've ever had. So if I say that, then literally the best cake I've ever had. I'm saying the same thing that I said before, but now I'm saying it 30 years later. And saying it 30 years later means that it means something different probably. Literary, literally still has its old usage and its old meaning, right? It's not literally true. Of course, it's just an analogy. It's a metaphor. Yeah, that's, we still have that. We can still use it in that way. But now it's used just to emphasize how much of something there is or how strongly we feel about something. So when someone says this is literally the best cake I've ever had, it's probably not necessarily the best cake they've ever had. And adding literally doesn't make it any more true, actually. It's just saying this is, this is delicious cake. This is great cake. So now people use, a lot of people, especially younger people, use literally... Not literally. <laughs> they use literally 
figuratively, to exaggerate what they want to say, right? A little bit, a little bit. To strengthen it, to give it a little bit more, huh, to give it a, a bit more power, right? This is literally the worst day of my life. When you hear someone say that, they're not analyzing actually all the days of their lives, lives and ranking them and putting one at the top as the worst. What they're doing is just expressing this is a terrible day. That's all. That's it. So just be aware of that. And this is a natural process that happens in languages. Languages change over time. That's natural. And the word literally is one of those words that may eventually no longer mean literally. It may literally change meaning and literally mean almost nothing. <laughs> so I find that very interesting. It's a good question. Sardor or Sardor or Sardor. Uh, I think the key is to just pay attention, be aware of your surroundings, look for usage, and also focus on context. All right. Okay. Good question from Sardor there. I, I particularly am interested in how it changes. Language change is a fascinating topic, in my opinion. It's literally the most interesting topic ever. Okay. Hi, Amin. Hello. Welcome. Uh, well, we have quite a few people here. That's great. Uh, no problem, Alejandro. I prefer to I prefer U.S. English pronunciation instead of British because the latter sounds more natural. My opinion. Hey, it's just your opinion, and I agree with it. Sorry, I meant the former sounds more natural. Yeah, exactly. Either way. I mean, do you mention the phrasal verbs? Why the phrasal verbs so hard for learning? I have talked a lot about phrasal verbs. I mean, in a lot of lessons that I do, I actually give examples of phrasal verbs and how they can be used. I think the last one we talked about was makeup. And we looked at in the last, not, not Wednesday, but I think it was last Friday. Maybe, maybe it was before that. I don't even remember. Uh, but we looked at the word makeup and we looked at how many different meanings of makeup. Let me check here. One, two, three, four, five, six different ways to use the word makeup. So that's a lot. And that's what makes phrasal verbs potentially so hard to learn. It's like saying, here, learn this thing. Oh, wait a second. This thing has eight different meanings. Oops. Sorry about that. So now you have to learn eight things, not one thing. And once you've learned those eight things, then you've only learned one thing. <laughs> the eight things break, or the one thing breaks into eight, but actually it still only counts as one. So that's, that's the reason. That's why. That is why. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, I do want to... Well, I have a topic planned today, so I want to get into my topic. I have a couple actually, but um, we'll we have a few things to to go over. Uh, let me just while I have a sip of coffee, if you don't mind, because I like to do that. Let me just scroll through the old English learning Reddit. Um, 
Yeah. What is the grammatical reason behind this? Everybody go out is the imperative. Yep. Everyone go out. Get out. Probably get out would be better. I'm from Russia. This is my first post. In Russia, we always try to learn many tenses around 8 to 13, but in Russia, we, we have only three general tenses. I want to know how many tenses Americans or English speakers actually use. Actually, not sure the total number. Good question. I haven't counted them before. Six? Ten? How do you explain in my English paper why I changed? Quickly found the merchants, however, that they obtain raw malaise. Dora, hello from India. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Ooh, that's a nice car. See what's going on on YouTube. Oh, see, now the guy's showing up on my feed. The real King speech. Hey, this is actually a good movie to watch. Um, so. I'm Michelle Hinchy. With so much at stake, we need bold leadership. I'm defending women's rights in New York. I'm supporting a green economy to address the climate crisis. And I'm holding utility companies accountable. I'm proud to fight for our communities. If you haven't seen it, there is a movie called The King's Speech. And uh, there it is on... YouTube. You can watch it or you can rent it. You have to pay for it on YouTube as you should. It's a good movie about King George the sixth uh, before he becomes king and an issue that he's dealing with around speaking, speaking clearly because he has a st 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 stutter. That's what it sounds like. A lot of people have that. It's not related to your English ability. It's related to, it's, it's something else going on that causes it. I've seen different uh, explanations for what causes stuttering, uh, uh, psychological reasons, and uh, I don't, we don't need to get into that, right? But in this movie, he goes through a process of training himself with an, a voice coach out of his stutter before a big, important speech. And I would recommend it as a sort of good motivation that if you feel like when it comes to speaking English, you're up against a wall, there is always a way out. If your issue is pronunciation, you, you have aspects of your accent you want to remove or change, or maybe the usage of words, I think it's, it's really motivational not necessarily to follow exactly the same steps as the movie shows, but uh, just to sort of realize and see an example of, hey, you're not just the way you are. Sometimes when it comes to speaking 
and things about our personalities, we just say, ah, oh, that's how I am. I'm this way, right? And how we speak, how we communicate, that's just how I am. We think that it's just locked in place. But when it comes to fitness or uh, job skills, we don't see it that way. Well, why is that? It shouldn't be that way. You can always improve your abilities as a communicator. You can always improve and change and update things about yourself. And so this is the actual real speech from King George the Sixth. And uh, I'm not sure, because I haven't seen this one before, I'm not sure if he's going to have a stutter in the speech or not. Uh, but let's see. I'm, I'm quite, quite curious. We shall see today the completion of a great scheme whose inception we saw when we were last in Glasgow ten months ago. At that time, work on the building of the Empire Exhibition had scarcely begun. There now stands in Bella Houston Park, looking out over the River Clyde, a whole, a whole town of more than 100 individual palaces. You, there's one right there. You can see that he was about to get stuck on the word, did he say palaces? He was about to get stuck on that word, but due to his training, what he's apparently doing instead, I'm just watching this, what I think he's doing instead is pausing, and that's actually another great point. I think one thing that causes you to sound less natural and you to make more mistakes is that you're just, you're just flying through what you're trying to say. And your, your mouth can't catch up with your, your brain or sometimes the other way around, right? But if you look at some of the great speakers and people who express themselves really well, they are not afraid of a long pause. They will go three, four seconds without saying anything. And that's great. Don't fear pausing. People can wait a couple seconds for you to speak. If you just fly through what you're saying, you'll get out of breath. It'll sound unnatural. You'll make more mistakes. And so just that little pause allows him to correct and start over before he tries to just fly through that sentence and start stuttering. And you can see it right there. You could see it about to happen. But I think because he had that training with his with his coach, uh, the guy who plays uh, Barbo Barbosa, I think the guy who plays Barbosa in uh, the Pirates of the the Caribbean 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 movies uh, is his coach, and he does a great job. And pavilion. This is a remarkable achievement, and in recognition of it, my first word. It must be one of praise for... There's another one there. So it seems like his eyes close when he's about to stutter, but then he tells himself, I think, pause, pause, re reset. The enterprise 
enthusiasm and hard work which have made it possible. The task has been shared by many people, those who have served on the organizing bodies, Pretty good. The Empire government doing a good job. I'm, I'm part, following. The directing staff, and not least, the workmen. Yeah, there's another it one It has there. been... You can see where it would have been a major stutter. So what would have happened there if someone has a bad stutter where they get stuck, they'll start that sentence and say, the, 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 the workmen, like that. Uh, but... And you can see where it would happen, but he's clearly fixed it. Performed willingly and wholeheartedly by all. Nice. And I warmly congratulate them. The exhibition is an empire undertaking. But we do well to remember that it owes its origin and to a great extent its execution to the people. Nice. That's pretty cool. So don't don't get discouraged. Whatever you are facing, you can pull it off with the right technique, the right practice. Check out that movie. It's a it is a really good one. And Maybe use it as a model for yourself for how to build a plan to get through whatever issue you have with communication. Even if it's a small thing, we all have things we can improve. I'm always going back to look at previous videos and courses to say, what is it that I could do to express myself better? I do it all the time. I do it almost every day. I check something, I look at something, and I ask myself, could I slow down? Could I use more pauses? Could I adjust my inflection, the way that I breathe, the intonation that I use? Is there anything I could change? And then you have to build habits that help you get there. So, very interesting, actually. The King's Speech, the real King's Speech. Pretty cool. Uh, okay. Okay, I want to get to the thing that I want to get to. Okay, I want to... <laughs> Welcome, Pipe. Hello. Hello, hello. Potter is here. Great. Okay. So, Josie, hello. Welcome. I'm not somebody who speaks very fast, even in my native language, Portuguese. I try to speak clearly in English at my own speed. There's no need to rush yourself, right? Um, uh... I don't speak that fast either, to be honest. I don't like speaking fast, but this is my natural speaking speed. The speed that I'm speaking now is not my sort of fake, I'm an English teacher now speed. I always talk this fast. And there might be a difference between how many idioms or phrases I will use depending on who I'm communicating with when I'm speaking to use guys. I may not choose a lot of different idioms and phrases, but it's still kind of the same basic uh, tempo. 
Okay. Jack, I would encourage you to use English in the chat because otherwise, because I don't read Spanish, so I can't interact with you at all in the chat uh, if you're using Spanish. So I'm just ignoring your messages. Uh, if you'd like me to, to uh, maybe if you have a question or put it on the screen or talk about it, I, I would encourage you to try to use English. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Maya, Maya Tiha. Hello from Myanmar. Welcome from Myanmar. Fantastic. Beautiful. Yes. Oh, yes. The, 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 the great debate, as they call it. The great debate. The great debate. The great debate. No need, Alejandro. If people would like to use English in the chat, I would like to hear from them. If they don't want to use English in the chat, I'm fine. I'm very happy to ignore it. So actually, don't. <laughs> no, thanks. Use English. Okay. There is a war in the English language, over one word, the word GIF or JIF. And I'm going to tell you, in my opinion, the right way to say it. But first, a little bit of background about this debate, why it exists, right? And also what the creator thinks uh, it should be pronounced as. This is the file format where you have a little picture like you see there moving, right? We all know it. We all love it. We all share it when we're chatting with friends. I am a serial GIF GIF user, right? I use them all the time. But there's this war about how to say it. Is it pronounced GIF or GIF with a hard G sound or a soft G sound that sounds like a J. And it's funny when you ask people, usually they don't have no opinion. They don't say, oh, I don't care. They say, no, it's this way. It is this way. <laughs> and if anyone disagrees, I, I will disown them. Well, prepare yourself perhaps to disown me if you have a strong opinion about, uh, about the pronunciation of this word. Okay. Now, if you look in a dictionary, most dictionaries, one of these is Webster, one of these is dictionary.com, you'll see that they have both pronunciation pronunciations in the dictionary. When you listen to the audio, you'll hear both. So, for example, I think the back one is dictionary.com. GIF or GIF, GIF or sometimes GIF. So, they've written it in pronunciation J-I-F, or sometimes they write it G-I-F to tell you that it's a hard G sound to con contrast it with the J-I-F sound. And when you click on that, it, it says both, right? And they say exactly GIF or sometimes GIF. And then if you look here on, I believe this one is uh, Webster, I think, uh, you can click on both and get those pronunciations. So in terms of what the dictionary says, both are fine. 
Now, why would the dictionary not be able to choose? Well, what is the job of a dictionary? The job of a dictionary is to capture the usage of a word and its pronunciation in the case of modern dictionaries. So it has both because people say both, which is reasonable enough, I think, right? All right. Now let's talk about both sides of this. Let's talk about first the hard G. Now there is this rule in English where if you have a C or a G and it is followed by I, E, or Y. So C, I, C, Y, and C, E, and G, I, G, E, and G, Y. Then it's going to be soft. But in the case of G, especially G-I, there are so many examples of it being hard that it's really hard to say, this is the rule. If it's G-I, it should be soft. Well, 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 there are so many examples like gift and give and gills and giggle. And these words have the hard G sound. It's called the hard G. Gift, gills, giggle, giggle, gills, give, give all of these words, and many, many more, right? Then there's the ones that do follow the rule, right? And the rule is that if it's G followed by I, E, or Y, it's going to be the soft G, which has the same pronunciation as J. J, 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 right? So this would be Jin, which is the same pronunciation, pronunciation as the one that starts with a J, Ginger, notice there are two soft sounds there. Giant and giraffe. So, j, j, j. Soft G, also known as the J sound. Great. So, those are both sides. The problem again is that there are so many exceptions to the rule that it's really hard to say, but you'd follow the rule, <laughs> right? Now, what does the creator of the gif or jif say about this we should should we listen to the creator well that's up to you i suppose so the creator's name is steve wilhite and he says the oxford english dictionary accepts both pronunciations they are wrong it is pronounced a soft g or it is rather a soft g let me read that again it is a soft g pronounced jif end of story. And then it goes on to say, of course, this revelation, this is from an article online, of course, this revelation didn't sit well with people on Twitter, where users responded with uh, overreactions like this. I refuse to accept this, and my life has no meaning anymore. So people do feel quite strongly about, about this. Okay, now what, what, what should we take from all of it? So I'll tell you how I say it, how I always say it, and how I have always said it, and then tell you why that doesn't matter, okay? I have always pronounced this as jif, the soft G sound, also known as the J sound. Jif, jif, jif. When I see that, it's a jif, it's a jif, it's a jif. And I know people have strong opinions uh, to the contrary. When I saw that the creator of the GIF feels the same way, I felt validated. Ah, oh, yes, I'm right, <laughs> and they're wrong. But that actually doesn't matter. Why doesn't it matter? 
Well, the inventor of a word doesn't get to say what happens to that word in its story, right? In its whole history. There are words that we're using today in modern English. Who knows where they came from hundreds of years ago, a thousand years ago, right? That have no connection in pronunciation to what it would have sounded like back then. And we don't get a time machine and go back and say, sir, how do you say this word you just made up, right? We don't care. Doesn't matter. Because it's a natural process where words change over time in meaning and in pronunciation. We don't say anymore. We say night. Okay. No one's complaining about that. It's a settled issue. But there was a time when it was not a settled issue. K-N-I-G-H-T. No, it's knich. No, it's night. No, it's knich. No, it's night. <laughs> Can you imagine two people in uh, 14th century, uh, I don't know when it would have happened, maybe 15th, 16th century version of Twitter in a bar fighting over this issue. It's settled now. Nobody says knich. Now we just say night, right? But we are here with this word. We're in that place where it's kind of in the middle at this point. It's a tug of war where some people say it one way and some say it the other. And eventually it will settle itself out. But for now, because we're in this transition period, it doesn't matter how you say it because people will understand you no matter which way it is, and you'll be able to find other people who say it the way that you say it too. So enjoy saying it however you decide to say it. The dictionary is right. Its job is to capture how a word is used and pronounced if it has sounds. Now, in a hundred years, if we're still saying this word, my guess is that it won't be pronounced both ways the issue will have been decided. Not decided by any one person who said, and now I decree that it shall be called Jif. And it doesn't happen like that in 99.9999999999% of occasions. It's decided organically. It just works itself out over time and eventually you get, hopefully, Jif, not Gif. I hope it's Jif, not Gif. So, that's it, but I want to hear how you say it. So in the comments, let me know how you prefer to say this word, how you have always said it, and which one you think is going to be decided upon in 100 years. If you have any other questions, let me know. Don't forget to check out my courses and feel free to hit the like button and subscribe. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, let me see what you guys think about this. I'm curious. Uh, do we have any? I prefer... G G Sorry, Alejandro. You are disqualified from having an opinion about this. There's no E sound. That's not an acceptable choice. It's either GIF or GIF, and there are no other possible options. I'm afraid you're going to be fighting a losing battle here.
Jack said, I have an application downloaded on my cell phone and is Facebook. Um, Okay. Jack, Jack, you're dangerously close to getting banned. Uh, So just, you know, cool it, okay? Just a learning process for everyone, including me. Yeah, okay. All right. Did I miss any questions? Mayo Thiha says, I like your teaching style teacher. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I appreciate it. Potter says, I prefer Jif. Didn't write it. That's a funny joke. That's a funny joke. Guys, don't accept friend requests from Jack. I have a small suspicion that Jacked is perhaps a scammer of some kind. Do not accept friend requests or anything like that from that user. Uh, it's a kind of suspicious behavior, changing languages all the time. So, uh, uh, yeah, stay away. Stay clear of Jacked, please. Actually, let me go ahead and see if I can... I'm usually on YouTube, but I can check the chat in Facebook because I'm usually not checking the Facebook page. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, yeah. There we go. Jacked. Suspicious behavior. Uh, I'm going to see if I can report you. Yeah, I'll have to do it later. Yeah, stop. Don't stop. Stop it. Stop. 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 Uh, okay. Did I miss any questions? Let me check that. Mm, no, I don't. I don't think so. Okay. How do I do this? Facebook does not make this easy. I'm sorry, but I'm not a big fan of Facebook in general. I'm just, yeah. Okay. Delete? No, I don't want to interact with comments directly. Um, Facebook, why do you make this so hard? Ugh. Why does Facebook make this so difficult? I got to figure this out. Give me a second, guys. Hello, Mr. Ukraine. If you guys have any questions while I'm trying to figure this out, let me know. Otherwise, uh, okay. I think I've got it now. Okay. Maybe okay? Yeah, go ahead, Potter. Re-ask your question, please. I'm here. Hello. Welcome. Good to have you. 
Good to see you. Magical, wonderful. Do you have clips for something about getting more vocabulary in general? Clips or something. What do you mean clips? Can you clarify that for me? Clips about what? I mean, I have, uh, if you go to the other YouTube channel, you can see, uh, you can see small videos about that. Um, I mean, I've made quite a few videos on the topic before, but yeah, as Elul e is saying, the best way to do it is courses. I mean, if you really want to learn how to learn, I would say check out my course called Building Your English Brain. That's probably my most popular course. And um, uh, that course teaches you how to learn vocabulary, how to practice what you learn, and start thinking in English. Again, it is my most popular course, or close to my most popular course. Um, I think about, I don't know how many students have taken that course, maybe 20, 30,000. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty popular. And I think for a reason, the reason being that it's quite short and sweet, three hours long, but still teaches the effective best practices. As for videos, I mean, I've talked about it here and there, but with videos, I'm usually just focusing on something very narrow, and it's not super, uh, not super comprehensive. Yeah. that work? Sorry, I'm still trying to block Jack. Ah, face why is Facebook so stupid and hard to use? I'm sorry, Facebook, but you've really got to... Who... Does anyone like... Do you guys like using... Do you guys like using Facebook at all? Does anyone here use Facebook? Does anyone here like to use Facebook? I'm curious. Cloud English, digital collectibles, yeah. Ugh. All I want to do is ban a user. Why is it so hard? Why do they make everything so hard and dumb? I can't even see, like, all users, all people. Okay. I'm getting sick of this. I don't want to do this on stream. All right, Jack, you're lucky. I'm going to ban you immediately after this. So I recommend you stop talking um, and leave uh, because I will ban you anyway. So I guess enjoy enjoy yourself now. Um, yeah. Don't be sorry. I don't think you should be sorry. Josie, I think Facebook now, it I, it blows my mind that so many people, that Facebook has so many users. It's such a, honestly, kind of weird and shady place, in my opinion. 
I mean, I, I, it's useful to connect with people who like to be on Facebook, but I just don't get why someone would be there to watch content rather than, you know, YouTube, which is, I think, better at recommending content. Uh, the ads are a little bit more, usually more relevant. Um, I don't know. I'm seeing a Walgreens ad on my YouTube, and that seems pretty relevant. I would go to Walgreens. I like Walgreens. Why not? Well, you guys can see the leaves and stuff behind me. I'm going to be talking about some words and phrases related to autumn. So if you have any questions about that as well, fall and autumn words and phrases, feel free to let me know. Um... We'll get into that very shortly. I see a question here about one more pronunciation question. I don't want to talk about too much more about pronunciation, but this one is another one where people say it one way or the other. I don't think it's quite as contentious as uh, maybe GIF and GIF are, right? I don't think people fight as much, but you do have people saying it both ways for sure. I say data and quite a few people say data. Uh, I think in my view, the correct pronunciation should be data. I think more people do say data, but you will sometimes hear people say data, data. The reason, I think the reason that data is kind of off-putting to me is that it's got the same pronunciation twice, right? And that works for somebody like Lady Gaga, Gaga, but it's kind of that sort of ba baby sound, right? Gaga, Gaga, is, it comes from, it's an onomatopoeia for babies. And so that works for that sort of word, but when we're talking about a word for a thing, right, like this, uh, I feel like having two different vowel sounds is more common and it sounds better in my opinion, right? So data, data, data is using the same sound twice. It's it's not great. Data, mm, data, data, data uh, feels, feels better. Uh, having the long A sound followed by the short A sound. Again, it's just my opinion, right? I'm just saying how I feel about it. But I think my view on that is probably the more common and the more widely accepted one. Um, why does exist two words for that particular reason, but not for the rest? I'm not quite sure I get your me. Oh. A fall and autumn. That's a good question. I'm going to talk about. Uh, I'm I'm going to talk about that actually. In, when I go through that, good question. Great question. I'm going to answer that question. Good question. Okay. Yeah. Shall we get into it? I think we shall. Do you have any books written by yourself? I'm actually working on that project. I have not thus far written books, 
But what I've found is that uh, people who have taken my courses ask for a book version of the course, right? And so what I would really like to do is write a book version of all of my courses to put out maybe for those who are taking the course, probably to uh, uh, provide with the course as a companion, but then sold separately, maybe on Amazon or somewhere else uh, as a standalone book. So that is something I'm planning to do. I think I will probably do that next year. Um, uh, those who, who have been following me for a while know that I'm not a huge fan of grammar books, but I want to write a grammar book because I think it, there, there is a way to do it that can be useful, right, if it's done correctly. Thank you for that question. That's a good one. Okay. So what about autumn? What about autumn? A, how often is there a live stream? We do these twice a week every uh, Wednesday and Friday at around 12 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, which is about, uh, which is about, well, yeah, which is 5 p.m., um, which is 5 p.m. GMT. So, um, yeah. every Wednesday and Friday. And what I'm planning on doing is actually bringing on more guests for particularly for Fridays. I'm hoping to bring on more people uh, that I'm, I can interview, uh, not just students and the classes that you've seen, but actually the uh, actually other teachers. So I'd like to I'd like to start doing that a bit more. People like Francis, who I talked to a few weeks ago, uh, who I thought did a great job explaining the nuances of IELTS and writing in particular. Okay. For every season, we have words and phrases that are useful to talk about that season, right? Well, where I am now in New York State, it is autumn or fall. And we'll talk about the difference between those words. What I'd like to do is share with you some of the most common words and phrases that you need to talk about fall or autumn and some of the things that happen in fall or autumn. So let's do that. Let's do that. A few common words and phrases. And this is not too hard. Once you know them, you know them. It's relatively simple. I think the first question would be fall or autumn? <laughs> we don't say winter cold season. Well, we could say cold season, but winter is the word. Summer is the word. We don't say summer and then uh, the swelter or something like that. We have one word for all the seasons except for autumn or fall. So which one should you say? You can say either one, but I will say fall is more common in the United States and autumn is more common in the UK. Not that people don't say autumn in the United States where I live, 
but it is more common for people to say fall. I like the word autumn. I think it feels nice. It's a nice word to say, so I try to use it sometimes. But there are some specific phrases that use the word fall that we're going to go go over. Well, we're going to go over a few a few things uh, related to uh, fall specifically. Now, one thing that does help, I think, is if you're in the United States, we have time changes. And there's always been a little thing that helps me remember which ways the clock go, which way the clock goes, forward or backward. Uh, we have what's called daylight savings time, uh, which happens in the spring. And then we have another time change that happens in the autumn, the fall. But if you remember this, spring forward, we can imagine springing forward, fall back, because that's what we do. Fall back, spring forward. So the clocks go back in the fall and forward in the spring. I, th I think that's kind of helpful. So I, for that reason, fall is actually useful. So what about talking about the temperature, how it feels to be in fall? You'll hear people say that it's chilly. Now, chilly is a great word for describing a kind of cold feeling, but not very cold, not as cold as winter. You may need something light to cover up, not just a t-shirt, but it's not so cold that you need to wear a big heavy coat. It is chilly. How's the weather today? Chilly. Or I love the chilly autumn weather, the chilly fall weather. Sometimes we call that, I love to call it, Sweater weather. I love sweater weather. What's sweater weather? Weather where you need to wear a sweater. <laughs> that's what it is. So that's a common way to describe it. I can't wait for sweater weather. And actually, that's true about me. I do not like the summer. I like the autumn, the fall, because of sweater weather. It's more interesting. You have more clothes to choose from, right? You can also describe that whole period of time as getting colder. Because it is, you're moving away from summer toward winter. So potentially week by week, it's getting colder and colder. So during the autumn, we can describe it as always getting colder. It's getting colder, it's getting colder, it's getting colder. You'll hear people always say that too. And then a bit nippy. <laughs> nippy is just a word to mean, ooh, ah, ah, it's kind of cold. It's a bit nippy, it's a bit cold. That is a fairly common way to describe weather that is chilly or kind of kind of cold. Okay. Now, what about what you see? What about visually what you see and what is going on, right? Well, obviously, like you see behind me, the leaves go from green to orange to yellow to brown and then they fall off, right? Well, do we say, "Oh, the leaves are dying." It is the season of things dying, that's true, but we don't usually say, it's fall, everything's dying. <laughs> it's a little, that's somewhat depressing, I suppose, right? We instead talk about it in a positive sense. We say the leaves are changing, the changing leaves. And that gives it a sort of artistic beauty. It's so beautiful, if I look out the window right now, I'll see orange, green, yellow, brown. I'll see a bunch of different colors, and it's really beautiful. The changing leaves of autumn are spectacular. People go up from New York City to 
the upper upstate New York area or the Hudson Valley to look at the leaves. The chaining leaves are amazing to see. We also describe this as harvest season. Harvesting what? Well, corn and pumpkins and squash and whatever, wheat, soybeans, whatever needs to be harvested usually is harvested in the autumn before winter as it starts to get colder. So we call it harvest season. Now, the one thing I don't like about autumn is that it causes me to have severe allergies. I get foggy uh, brain fog. I start sneezing. My nose is running. My eyes turn red. I, I do have some, uh, some medicine I can take, but because of this, I can call autumn also allergy season because it's when I have allergies. So yes, fall is harvest season. Well, that's nice, but it is also allergy season, which is not so nice. Another way we can describe that colorful feeling that we get, things are crunchy and crisp and brown and orange and green and all different colors. We just say the fall colors, the fall colors. And that is a word that is specific to, or a phrase rather, that is specific to fall. I don't hear people saying very often autumn colors, but I do hear people very often saying fall colors. Ooh, I like this sort of fall colors you have going on on your front porch with the corn stalks and the pumpkins and the, the black cat. That's very cool, right? What sort of activities happen in the fall? The stereotypical, traditional fall time activities. I'm not saying everyone does these. I don't do most of them, to be honest, but I have done all of them. And the first one I actually did last week. I live in the area of the Hudson Valley where there are a lot of orchards. People come up from the city to pick apples. That's the main activity. So apple picking for a lot of people in the United States where apples are grown, where the seasons change. Of course, the United States is very large. Sometimes in some places, of course, there are no seasons like Florida or Southern California, right? But in some parts of the United States, you have these fall colors and the seasons changing. Apple picking then would be a very common activity. I did it just like last weekend. I went to this beautiful orchard. They had live music and cider and beer and uh, things that you could pick like pears and apples. And it was very cool. And they also had hay rides. This is a kind of weird thing. I think it's mostly for kids, but in the autumn, you do see a lot of hay rides. People go to farms and they'll have a tractor with a trailer behind it and then hay bales as seats. So hay or straw as kind of chairs on top of the trailer. And then they'll just drive around through the fields or drive around through the trees or through the forest and this is apparently it's a fun activity. Doesn't really appeal to me anymore. I haven't done it since I was probably six years old, but it is a thing that especially is popular for kids. Pumpkin carving is associated with Halloween and uh, people do it. I would say adults do it more as a decoration. You would carve a pumpkin to look like a face and put it on your porch or 
put it outside somewhere and sometimes put a candle inside to make it glow from the inside. This is the activity is carving pumpkins, pumpkin carving. But once you make one, it looks like a head with a scary mouth. Again, associated with uh, Halloween. This is called a jack-o'-lantern. A jack-o'-lantern is the traditional word for it. And then sometimes you also see corn mazes. A maze is where you have different paths, but you can't see everywhere. You have to try to find your way out of this very difficult path, and you might go the wrong way sometimes. It's called a maze, and the farmers will make one out of corn. And for especially farmers in this area, it's more like a tourist attraction. A lot of farms around me, where I live, they have this whole season as tourist time. People come from all around to do all of this stuff, apple picking, hay rides, pumpkin carving, and corn mazes, and those farms make a lot of money. Not just selling their stuff, their produce, but on people paying for hay rides and to go through the corn maze, that sort of thing. So to put all this together, let's just describe it. Let's, let's do a simple description of what is nice about the fall? What is nice about autumn? This is one thing we might say to sort of evoke or give the feeling of fall. In the fall, when the leaves are turning, just say turning, when the leaves are turning or changing, you could put changing there, turning there. I, I swapped in turning to give you a sense for another way to say that. When the leaves are turning and the weather is getting colder, I like to stay warm and cozy. Cozy is a feeling of being warm and comfortable because it's warm. Warm and cozy by the fire with a hot cup of tea and a book. If you picture that, right, sitting by the fire, hot cup of tea, a blanket, a book, and it's kind of cold outside and the colors are changes, changing, that sounds, I think, very nice, very cozy. So if you have any questions about this, if you have any questions about how to talk about autumn or fall let me know don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe also check out my full courses in the links in the description all right do people in the u.s use special winter tires some people do yeah it depends on where you live and how much snow there is there are different types of tires where you can get tires specifically for winter some places that have tires specifically for summer, sometimes people are people get tires that are called all-season tires or four-season tires, but then in the winter, if the snow is really thick or there's a lot of ice, then they'll get chains for their tires to put on. And if you go to the city, you'll see buses with these chains on the tires uh, to help them get traction on, for example, the ice. Gazal says, hi, Luke, I'm going to work with some British people next month and I'm having a lot of trouble with their accent and feel nervous about it. Do you have any advice? Yes, I do. Let me give you some advice. That's a good question. That's a great question, Gazal. Thank you. Okay. Knowledge is power. I totally agree with that. Maybe you can use Twitch. I actually am on Twitch. A, a lull, 
We are also live on Twitch right now. We're currently live on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook. Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook. So feel free to join from any one of those. Definitely not very big on uh, Twitch. I don't think a lot of people use Twitch for language learning, right? But um, yeah. Oh. Nice. Finally figured out how to ban. Cool. Done. Amazing. Very happy about that. Very exciting. Never thought banning someone would make my day, but it has. Life is better. Life is better when you can ban people. <laughs> Banning makes life better. Just for context, guys, I know those of you who are watching on YouTube can't see what's happening on Facebook, but there is a person writing 20 messages a minute in different languages on Facebook, just spam, spam, spam uh, nonsense. So I was trying to figure out how to ban them before and couldn't figure it out, but then I figured it out. So that's good. That's great. Okay. Gazal Kane says, Hi, Luke. I'm going to work with some British people next month, and I'm having a lot of trouble with their accent and feel nervous about it. Do you have any advice for me? So, this is a great question, and I'm going to try to put myself into your position. What would I do if I were going somewhere and needed to understand something that I wasn't really used to? For some people, they may be more used to one accent rather than another. People maybe who grew up watching some American movies and American TV shows. A lot, a lot of American English is out there, maybe more than British English even, depending on what you watch, for example, and the culture you're more exposed to. But if you haven't been exposed to a lot of British culture and British dialect, British accent, then it could be a challenge for you, right? And I get it. When I first started watching British movies and TV shows, I struggled with a lot of the idioms and phrases, right? And so just watching more really helped me get a sense for it. So I'm going to suggest two things. This would be slightly better advice if you were to say in six months instead of one month, because one month is kind of a short time frame. But let's, I'll still say it. So I try to gain as much exposure to the language and culture as you can within that period of time. I would recommend watching some real-life language rather than watching a sitcom or a TV series, uh, drama or something like that, because that's written. Instead, watch something where it has real people talking to each other about stuff. One I can recommend would be perhaps QI. It's a quiz show 
And previously, it was hosted by, uh, what's his name? What's his name? What's that? What's his name? I just blanked on, on his name. Uh, um, why can I not remember his name? Uh, hosted by a very famous guy. <laughs> and it's great because it's got jokes, it's got references, it's got a lot of language, and it's real language, right? And there are other British quiz shows as well. They're also funny. Now, the reason I say to watch that is you also get exposure to the culture. One reason people understand uh, a language is that they also understand what the language is referring to. But if you don't know the culture very well, then you might know that word, but you don't know what it is referring to in the culture, something specific to that culture. So there might be things specific to the UK that I don't know because I didn't grow up there, but I can slowly start to learn those things as I watch movies and TV shows, right? And the more you learn, the easier it gets. So what I've found, it gets easier and easier and easier to understand more and more and more the more I watch. So that would be my first recommendation. Now, as I said, that's a pretty tight timeline, right? One month, how much TV can you watch in one month, right? There you might need a kind of express version. You might start looking up word differences between the UK and the United States. There are a lot of blogs that have this information. Just trying to get a sense for some of the words like queue instead of line or lorry instead of truck. Some of the words that are different between the United States and the UK, between British English and American English, right? Oh, I remembered what it is. Stephen Fry was the original host of QI. Stephen Fry, great, amazing voice. He did the he did the voiceover for uh, the Sherlock Holmes Audible books, and it is amazing. He also wrote a series of books called Mythos, Heroes, and Troy, and those are also very good. He does the voiceover for those on the audio version. Stephen Fry, sorry, Stephen Fry. So. Those would be two things you can do. And to get used to the accent, I mean, all you can do is increase your exposure, right? So just watch more, watch more, watch more. And uh, hopefully you can get enough in a month's time. I don't know if it's going to be possible. Would be better if it were six months, but I wish you the best of luck. Okay. Good luck with that. Gazal. And also, if you don't understand, just say, sorry, can you explain that again? Could you explain that once more? Sorry, could you say that again? I, uh, um, excuse me, could you repeat that, please? Once more, please. Yeah. Uh, S-T-E-A-L and S-T-E-E-L have the exact same pronunciation. Amazing. Amazing. A lot of words have the same pronunciation. Steel and steel are homophones, hence why they're pronounced in the same way, i.e. long, not long, no, yeah, the it's the, the double E, long E sound. Not the long E sound, it's the uh, EE -E sound, the long EE -E sound. <laughs>
That might be the correct symbol. I don't even know what the symbol is for it. Um, I should... No, I shouldn't. Phonetic symbols are not particularly useful in my opinion. It's just my opinion, right? This is something I've said before, but... It's kind of a rant. Um, when you're learning pronunciation, you want to learn pronunciation. So what about those symbols? Well, there are different ways to write pronunciation. You can write it using specific symbols. There are different systems of symbols. And you can also write it phonetically. I actually prefer, if you're going to try to write pronunciation, to write it phonetically because it can at least give you an idea for how to say something. For example, right, if you want to phonetically write the word P-H-I-L, you might write P-H-I-L with a simpler phonetic sort of spelling as F-I-L-L -L, because it's pronounced the same way as F-I-L-L -L, and nobody is in doubt about how to say it. So that could be a phonetic spelling. I'm not sure if that's the official phonetic spelling, but they try to give you a sense of it, right? The problem with the symbols is that if you don't know the symbols, it doesn't tell you anything. At least with the phonetic spelling, it gives you an intuition for how it might be said. But with the symbols, you get no intuition. You just have to memorize it. And only once you memorize the entire thing do you then get some clue about how something is pronounced. But then there's another problem. Unfortunately, those symbols cannot accurately capture all the sounds in the language. So it's misleading because you might have two words which have the same phonetic symbol in their phonetic representation, which actually sounds slightly differently in real life. So what have you done? You've focused your intention, or your attention rather, on the symbols instead of focusing on what you should, which is the sounds. You're needlessly emphasizing an intermediate step that is not helping you. The intermediate is, I want to learn this, I want to learn C, I'm here, so instead of learning C directly, I'm going to go through B and then to C. And unfortunately, some information is lost in B before you get to C, being those subtle differences in how things are actually said. Also, then, those symbols don't train you for how to hear word differences, how to hear sound differences, so you're not training your ear at all. So my view on this is to throw it away. Never look at a phonetic symbol again for the rest of your life. They, in my opinion, are not useful, are not helpful, and in fact, hurt your ability to learn pronunciation correctly. If you're going to use anything, go for the natural-looking phonetic symbol just when you're not sure how to say something and you need an idea, right? But the real way to learn pronunciation is to open your ears, listen, and then try to copy the sounds that you hear. That's the shadowing approach. So if I hear someone say whatever it is, bleh, I would, I would, that's not a word, but I would think, okay, how did they say 
bleh. And how do I make my sound the same as theirs? There's a boo and then a bleh. There's a what? So that's just a stupid example, but. What I'm doing is removing, okay, that's a word or that's a sound. I'm getting rid of that. Don't focus on, hey, that's a word. Focus on the things that you need to do with your mouth in order for you to match the thing that you are hearing, right? If that thing that made that sound was a mouth and you have a mouth, you can do the same thing. And you might say, no, I've heard that the tongues in Asia are different than tongues in Canada. Nonsense. No, there's no evidence for that. I'm sorry. So any mouth with the tongue that is generally shaped in the right way can make any sound that you hear, right? And of course, some things are more difficult than others, but it's a matter of developing your awareness to hear that's the things in that word that make the, the sounds, the little pieces, and then figure out a way to make your mouth do the same thing, right? So with a word like usually, usually, a lot of people struggle with that. They say, <clears throat> they say either usually, 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 or usually, 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 and that's okay. You can say usually, but usually is the correct pronunciation. Okay. So how do I do that? You, I hear the you, you, you. Okay, I gotta get to you. How do I make that you sound? Not but subtle difference there, but very important. The voice is continuing. Don't say yuju ah, but yujua, 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 yujua. And then there's a li at the end with a continued voice. Not yujua li, but yujua li. The voice is continuing. Ah. So all of these things you start to pick up if you're training your ears to hear the sounds and you're training your ability, your awareness, to notice the difference between what you're saying and what you're hearing. You, I'm saying you sh shly, and they're saying usually. So I need to change that to usual, 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 usual. And now you're far away from even thinking of this as a word. <laughs> it doesn't matter anymore because you're emphasizing just the sounds. Finally, you get it. Usually, by the time you've gone through all of that, you've practiced so much, you've repeated it so much, it's much easier to remember. The other issue with the phonetic symbols is you see it and you say, got it. <laughs> you haven't got it. You just know what the phonetic symbols are. You haven't got it until you can say it perfectly. And going through that process that we just did there with usually, that kind of awkward, silly looking process is going to develop your habits so that you refine your listening, so that you build up your awareness, and so that once you've finished going through that process, you now have the habits to say that word correctly every time. Because when you're speaking about something, you don't want to have to think about pronunciation, right? You want it to just come out naturally, automatically the first time. So in my experience, that's the best way to learn pronunciation. You can flush all of your phonetic symbols 
down the toilet as far as I'm concerned. If you have any questions about this, let me know. If you want to learn pronunciation with this approach, check out my course called Advanced American English Pronunciation. It is about eight hours long, focusing on all of this stuff for eight hours and much, much more. So check that out in the links in the description. And of course, don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe. Okay. Phonetic symbols might have been more useful before the, uh, when the internet was not so common. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Possibly. Still don't like it. I can spell, smell spam here, Luke. What are you saying? What do you mean, Alejandro? What's the spam? I hope I'm not treading on your toe. You're not treading on my toes. You gave me a great topic to talk about. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you for inspiring me to share something that I'm very passionate about, which is to flush all symbols down the T. Flush all the S's down the T. <laughs> oh, F the S's down the T. <laughs> what if all nouns were shortened to their first, uh, their first letter and all the grammar words and the, the things like prepositions stayed the same and the verbs stayed and we could just use the first letter of every noun? Uh, that would be very interesting. Then we'd have to figure out, okay, what is this about? <laughs> Flush all the S's down the T. <clears throat> um, uh, buy a P for your M. <laughs> uh, guess what I'm saying there? Um, uh Watch my C's. Watch my C's on your. Watch my C's on your P's. <laughs> uh, speaking of trading, someone's treading on someone's toes. Could you please explain that idiom? Yeah. Sure. Treading on your toes is actually very simple. It means you're uh, interrupting their process or. Uh, maybe preventing them from doing what they want to do, or uh, maybe you're getting into their territory, right? Uh, your boss is in a meeting, he's in charge of things, and you say, actually, I think we should do it another way. Then later you say, I'm sorry, I wasn't trying to tread on your toes there. I just wanted to share my opinion. So there you're saying, I don't want to take over your responsibilities or get in the way of you doing your responsibilities. I just want to... Uh, share my opinion. This is not the same as interrupt. It's more like encroach or get into someone else's space or territory in a way that might cause them to be limited more than before. It it might it might make them feel like you're trying to do what they're supposed to do. So interrupt is just stop talking like that. And this is a little bit more nuanced. It's a nuanced is a nuanced. Okay.
I'm just I'm just looking through um it's treading T R E A D I N G. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shall we go over to here? Not trading. T R E A D I N G. Mm. It might be an interesting question. From Reddit English Learning, what's the difference between probably and possibly? I was reading the Wikipedia page for Cleopatra V and her children have been listed as known, probably, and possibly ones. What is the difference between a probably child and a possibly one? Yeah, that's not quite the right way to phrase that, a probably child, but let's put that aside. So what this is really asking is how should we look at possibly and probably in terms of differences or similarities? So if something is probably true, then we feel kind of confident about it being true, but there's enough doubt or possibility that it's not true for us to not be able to say definitely, right? If I say it's, if I say I'm definitely, I'm definitely going kayaking tomorrow. It's in the plan. It's 100%. It's locked in. I may have already booked it, scheduled it. It's basically done. I just need to Go to bed and wake up and do it. It's going to happen. But if I say I'm probably going kayaking tomorrow, then it's my intention. I may not have booked it, but I accept that there might be some variables or factors that could get in the way of me doing that activity. So it's less than 100% certain and I don't want to give it a specific percentage, but let's just say 90, 85 or 90. Let's Again, let's not focus too much on trying to assign a specific percentage. But maybe it rains. Maybe it's too cold. Maybe the kayak place has issues and all of the kayaks get holes in them because the squirrels went into the kayak place and, and started eating the kayaks. I don't know. It could happen, right? You know what squirrels do. Squirrels love to eat kayaks. So anything could happen. Now, what if I say I am possibly going kayaking tomorrow? Well, the only difference there is that I have less confidence about it, less certainty about it. And maybe it's not because of 
squirrels or something like that, because that would be a complete unforeseen thing, but my full intention is to go, but something could happen. That's why I'm not absolutely certain. But if I say possibly, I may not even be internally certain. I'm not sure that I even want to go. I'm just weighing options. Maybe I'll go kayaking. I could go shopping. I could go to the zoo. I could drive off a cliff. Whatever you might want. That last one, sorry. That's a little dark. That might might be something that I could do among other options. That might be one reason I would say possibly instead of probably, right? Because I'm weighing other possibilities. That's why we use possibility as a noun. A possibility is one of several things that could happen. Yeah, that's one possibility. Do you think that, uh, do you think that they're going to have, uh, uh, they're going to serve mead at the, I don't know why I'm using mead. I was just having mead the other day. And so I'm thinking about mead. Do you think they're going to have mead at the party? Probably not. It's not something that they usually serve at a party. Possibly. Uh, the host is a pretty interesting person who likes to try different things. They might have it. Okay. It's possible. So possibly is similar to might. It's lower in probability. It's lower in confidence. And again, it doesn't have to be because I'm still trying to decide. It could be that I just have no idea, right? When I say possibly, I'm quite certain. And the thing that might prevent it will be a random freak accident or something that was unlikely. But possibly could be that anything could happen that could change what we're planning to do or change what happens, right? If I say, for example, I'm possibly, possibly going to be buying a car next month. There, there might be some things I'm waiting to hear about. Like next month, maybe the car prices will go down. If they go down, then I might be more confident about buying one, but I don't know if that's going to happen. So there's a lot that is unknown, a lot that could happen. So possibly means we think it's maybe possible that yes, there could be a child that is hers, but we don't know. Probably is, we're pretty sure, but we can't confirm it 100%. And known is that yes, it's 100% definitely the case. So hopefully that clarifies the difference between probably and possibly. Actually, once we start using them, I think it's pretty easy for us to differentiate which one is which and how to use them. Uh, it's an irregular verb as tread, trod, trodden. Thank you so much. 100%. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. That's correct. You don't have to take his or her word for it, but he or she is correct. Okay.
Well, friends, neighbors, citizens of the world, humans. It's time. I'm going to call it a day. I've got to get ready for a plan that I have tonight. I'm having Chinese hot pot with some friends, and I'm very excited about it. One of the most popular things to eat in China is hot pot. People love it. There are hot pot places in the United States, depending on where you go, but you can also have it at home. You need a special pot and a special heating thing, hot like a hot plate, and you need certain ingredients. You need sesame sauce, vegetables, a certain type of very thinly sliced meat, and you can do it at home. And when you do, and you can buy hot pot mixes, it's amazing. If you've never had hot pot before, give it a try. That's what I'm having. I think I have to go to the supermarket to pick up some vegetables. I think I need white radishes, daikon radish, and spinach, and maybe a few other things. We'll see. It depends on... I'm not in charge of this, but I'm just a helper. I'm just a driver. My wife, who is Chinese, says, we're going to get that, that, that. And I say, okay, let's do it. So that's what I'm having. I hope you all have a great weekend. I hope you have fun things planned. It's not time for a nap. I never sleep during the day unless I really don't feel well. I'm not sleepy at all. If I look sleepy, you're wrong. Uh, maybe it's just, um, I don't know why. Who knows? Uh, well, thank you all for watching. I appreciate you uh, joining and having such great questions. We'll be back next week on Wednesday, uh, which is not how you say that word. If I didn't answer your question today, I will do my best to answer it next week. As I said, we're going to be experimenting with some different formats. I'm going to be working on getting some guests to come in to interview them. So I'm excited about that as well. Uh, again, have a fantastic weekend. Have fun. Stay safe. And I will certainly see you in the next one.